Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. This is Radio Gripe, and uh, I am one half of your hosts. My name is Joe. I'm Jen. Hello, world. Hello, cruel world. And uh, yeah, this is our uh, weekly general discussion show where we get into all manner of things. A lot of times, you know, current events. Um, I'm trying to think about ways to get away from current events. More like interesting questions. Like uh, you posited, or at, I guess Dan posited a question uh, that we're going to do it a little bit of looking into, uh, just to have a discussion about the podcast world. Oh, remember uh, that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got some research to do though. Yeah, a little bit. But um, but yeah, we do still need to talk about kind of horrible things in the world and the uh, future doomscape that awaits us all. Uh, that's mainly what we do here. Uh, today we're going to hop around a little bit, and then at the end we are going to. Do installment number two of our picks for speculative fiction. If we feel like it. If time allows, I guess. I'm going to let Joe dominate this show today. My head is an empty sack. Hmm. I feel like there's another way to say that. <laughs> I'm sure there's a better way to say that. <laughs> okay. Uh, but anyway, um, so first off. Uh, we need to point out that any of the opinions expressed and shit talked here uh, is purely our own. It doesn't reflect KBSR or any of its other uh, DJs or members. Um, you can get in touch with us if you got any issues at weirdtryingshow at gmail.com. Uh, we also got an Instagram, Radio Gripe TX, and that's where you can uh, get all the latest updates uh, and, you know, and see good memes. It's yeah, mainly that's where memes. We put the relevant memes. Mm hmm. Yeah, so um, that's out of the way. Uh, let's uh, get into the show opener with uh, let's 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 check out the headspace. Oh, I just described my headspace as vacant. Oh, <laughs> well, um, let's you. I'll I guess maybe talk for a minute, and you kind of take a scroll around in there and see if you can find anything okay. for. Uh, what we've been doing this week, what we've been uh, watching or reading, listening to, and just various things that we're and just various things that we're liking. I had a, uh, I had listened to a handful of episodes from Knowledge Fight uh, this week that I enjoyed every single bit of every single one of them. It's a great show. Um, Never get tired of listening to those guys. Yeah, they did. A, they took a detour on a recent episode and talked about instead of Alex Jones, they talked about Jim Baker and uh, this guy that has appeared on his show. Uh, it's just wacky, wacky stuff. Um, I totally recommend everybody to go listen to Knowledge Fight. Uh, yeah, whether you know who Alex Jones is or not, I think that it's uh, it's some prime infotainment. For secondary research, check out Vic Berger <laughs> and his classic uh, supercut, uh, Jim Baker and his buckets. Yeah, wow, yeah. Jesus Christ! Listen up, you're gonna love this. When I was in prison, I know I was praying and asking God, and and God warned me not to get involved with politics. If Donald Trump actually does become president, it's gonna be attributed to nothing else than a miracle from God, and we'll be able to describe it as nothing else than supernatural intervention. If Donald Trump is elected president of the United States, it will be a miracle. One of the things we've done around here we stick them under coffee tables and end tables. You just stack them up and then put a cloth over them. Yeah. Or, or get a, a piece of, a, you know, cardboard or, or a piece of plywood mm-hmm. and you make a top and then you just stack this food. You could have your whole living room with end tables and coffee tables made out of food buckets. Jackson is 50% Mexican. <laughs> yeah. 
You're Where's so his dad? Funny. Isn't he cute? A good little Mexican boy here is going to help us introduce to you our okay. brand new 20 year shelf life food. Oh, sign. he's eating everything. Oh, he's eating. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Okay. I can't get so, it. Look at I'm, I'm supposed to be introducing this right here. This is so many different kinds of foods. Hey, Can you all see I that right there? There's, there's an entry. This is 20 right year shelf life food. <laughs> and I put some of that yeah. cheese sauce on the on the taco. It is so That's called good. queso. Cheese That's... sauce is called queso. Oh dear Jesus. That's awesome. Oh, I'm a gringo That's trying to tell you queso. about Mexican queso. food. Yes. It's not going to work. No. That's Little Lori, queso. help me. You, uh, you, no. you got some Mexican blood. <laughs> Five of our kids are full-blooded Mexican wow, kids. So this is Mexican food that wow. real-life Mexicans approve of. I don't know about you, but there's nothing like queso mm, sauce. I'll tell you that right now. Gotta um, get your buckets. Yeah, man, Jim Baker's a whole story. You know, uh, he, I kind of forget what, it was some kind of like fraud or something, some kind of financial shit that he got caught in decades ago and, and served time. And that's when uh, his ex-wife tammy faye baker left him um he's been yeah, I, out I of been out of prison not dead yeah he's like in his 80s um and he's got another show that he has like a, a compound with his new wife and they have another show where they're hawking their wares and all of their all of their doomsday stuff uh bounced right back from, yeah man from, uh, you'll find his that legal issues you'll find a lot of times whenever you have uh these these televangelists especially and people that are maybe prosperity gospel people they'll get caught out on some shit that's the only thing that they feel sorry about they issue apologies and then they go right back to it as soon as nobody's really looking you know people like creflo dollar people like jim baker uh joel austin hasn't been super caught out but it's only a amount of time i bet <laughs> you know jim baker's doing very well uh apparently is one of god's favorite uh, people yeah i mean sure what yeah. about well why hasn't god called him home yet <laughs> Yeah, I don't think God wants to hang out with him. Tammy Faye was cool, though. Tammy Faye's fine. She she, she became a gay icon, uh, whether she liked it or not. Uh, she, I believe, there you know, there was a documentary some several years ago, Through the Eyes of Tammy Faye, right. which I did not see, uh, but I heard good things. And uh, I believe she became a gay icon simply for not being a total fucking homophobe <laughs> uh, in the 80s. Hey, man, that was a pretty, uh, pretty easy bar to hit, I guess, back then. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Well, what about you? <clears throat> well, I guess I guess I like to bring bug news around this time. Um, and I saw this article in The Guardian that uh, was kind of interesting. Butterflies released in Finland uh, contain parasitic wasps with more wasps inside. Okay. Uh, on the, uh, the tiny island of uh, Satunga, uh, scientists hoped to study how the emerging butterflies would disperse across the landscape. So they released... Uh, it doesn't say how many. Anyway, so they released these they released these butterflies um, uh, onto the island uh, in hopes that they would flourish mm -hmm. and they could study them. And inside the butterflies, unbeknownst, oh boy, uh, was a uh, parasitic wasp mm -hmm. uh, which emerged from the pupa. Uh, inside that wasp was another <laughs> tinier parasitic wasp. Are you serious? Uh, it's like a it's like one of those little. Uh, what are they called? Russian those? nesting dolls. Russian nesting dolls. Yeah, I can't I can't remember the Russian word for it. Oh, can I? <laughs> yeah. Um, Matroichka? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, but yeah, this this uh, tinier parasitic wasp uh, bursts from the caterpillar just before it can pupate. And uh, the Mesochorus stigmaticus 
kills lives inside the parasitic wasp and emerges from the wasp around the same time the wasp emerges from the caterpillar mm-hmm. and inside that even tinier parasitic wasp uh, that travels on the females uh-huh. um, is is a species of bacteria that was uh, previously unknown to the island so it kind of introducing five species in one go wow and after 30 years they're all still uh, flourishing and thriving huh that's interesting uh, that there has not been a negative impact on the uh local like uh wildlife or anything it doesn't say except that the tiny parasitic wasp appears to um be a stronger flyer than the others so it's it has spread to the other islands because unlike the butterflies uh it is uh able to be lifted by the strong winds and move between the islands yeah it always does look like butterflies are having a hard time flying yeah, it does. They they don't look very aerodynamic. They just flutter around. Yeah, that's why I call them flutterbys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's what I got. There we go. Well, I guess let's uh, kick right off into something. Um, I had heard about uh, there was a, a report released that in 2020, 227 people around the world who are all uh, I guess what's called Earth Defenders. They're activists in one way or another who are trying to... Eco-activists. Yeah. Um, uh, 227 were killed in 2020, which is kind of the highest number that we've seen in one year for people in this in this space uh, meeting an untimely end. Uh, about a third of those almost were linked directly to resource exploitation, like logging, mining, and... Uh, uh, water, you know, and a lot of things like that, where there are companies coming in trying to seize land and resources. A further one third of those people were typically indigenous. Um, and logging is the biggest culprit. A lot of this is taking places like Brazil, Nicaragua, Peru, and uh, some over there in the Philippines too. And it's typically is the indigenous population that's on the front lines. It's, it's typically their space and their land that is being targeted in all this. So yeah, uh, I, and that's about all that was even in the article. It's just uh, an alarming statistic of uh, continuing trends, I guess. Yeah, that's, that doesn't sound good. It uh, doesn't sound great. Also, there is an interesting thing. I don't know if you'd heard about this. Uh, apparently, Facebook is launching a new service that's basically debt collection. Debt collection, Facebook. Yeah, it's called Facebook Invoice Fast Track. Uh, so. What they're saying and the, the, the basic setup of this is that if you it's made for businesses, it's not a private uh, endeavor. So you can't say like, hey, John owes me $20. Uh, they're not going to get into that. But if you own a business and Facebook is saying that they're designing this for small businesses and trying to make sure that they are assisting minority owned businesses and you know places that might have a harder time in uh, the, I guess, the larger industries. Collecting on their invoices. They will... When those people have invoices that are not getting paid, they can go to Facebook and Facebook will pay those businesses and then take the invoice to the person who had not paid it and demand payment from them. Oh, wow. Uh, they say that there's going to be like just a 1% processing fee that I'm assuming will be taken out of the person who is owed the money. That's fascinating and terrifying. <laughs> yes. Um, but there's, there's nothing to say that if Facebook won't charge more to... Uh, the other companies that are trying to get money from or anything for transfer services, because we all know that that costs money too. That's why 
try to use your card in a gas station, like, oh, it needs to be 350 to help, like, cover the service charge of the individual transaction and everything. <sighs> um, but, yeah, Facebook is getting into debt, debt collection. Where, source, source, please. <laughs> Give me some sauce. Because I, I, oh, it's on Mashable, actually. This seems like it would be bigger news. Right. Uh, they're buying, but you're saying that they're they're buying debt. They are in the business of debt collection. Mm-hmm. What legal power do they have to collect on debts? What 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 do they have? What what authority do they have to collect on a debt? Same you, amount of authority as any debt collector, I yeah, guess. Yeah, that's it's a private sector. I'm can, sorry, it's a it's a, yeah, you <laughs> They can take you to small claims court if they yeah, if all, you don't pay. All you need to do is basically just show that you are a corporate entity and you like are in the you can get whatever license you need anybody, to be within any, almost anybody can buy it. Yeah, buy the financial mailing. Just go downtown and you see all these places that want to give you loans uh, on your your uh, fucking paycheck and everything else. It's the same deal. Uh, what, what's to stop Facebook from getting into the predatory world of debt collection? Why do any of us still have a Facebook? And like I say, they're they are being upfront with saying that they are uh, engineering this for uh, minority-owned businesses, uh, women-owned businesses that typically kind of get stiffed. Yeah. But, I mean, that's anybody can say <laughs> whatever reasons they say you have. a lot of things don't they exactly you know it's i mean what it comes down to is no matter what they say at the beginning of it do you ultimately trust facebook do you trust mark zuckerberg do you trust with my life do you trust the institutes of debt collection <laughs> and you know yeah uh nope. so nope. yeah it's i don't like it it's a fucking match like match made in hell um <laughs> And that's kind of that's kind of uh, some of the biggest news on the uh, capitalist hellscape uh, that we're in here in the 21st century, where your social media platform uh, is also getting tied into your finances. And, and they will be able to use facial recognition software mm-hmm. to track you down. Mm-hmm. Um, it won't be a matter oh. of simply avoiding answering the phone, which is my yeah. preferred method of dealing with debt collectors. Yeah, it's um, yeah.
So over the last few weeks, uh, there have been a lot of comments online of a particular nature that has sparked my interest. This kind of starts with um, a couple of weeks ago, you know, we talked about the uh, Texas bounty uh, targeting reproductive rights. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we had mentioned that uh, there was a lawsuit that the Satanic Temple had brought against Texas claiming religious exemption and access to abortion medication under the Texas Religious Freedom Restoration Act. That is what they do. Yeah. Um, I've seen tons of posts since then uh, praising TST. That's probably how I'm going to refer to them a lot, uh, because I'll be saying it quite a bit in this. Um, Many of them are encouraging people to join and suggesting that the $20 membership card will allow you to bypass the legal harassment and and have access to your meds. Um, Might be putting the cart before the horse on that one. Yeah, we'll see how that one uh, pans out. Um, So I want to be super clear about it, though. Do not do that. Do not give them money uh, to anybody listening. Do not give money to the Satanic Temple. If you have money to throw at something, donate it to medical organizations that actually provide the services, like uh, Planned Parenthood and Mm. many of those. Mm -hmm. They are the ones. Several that we listed, I believe, on our previous episode. Right. Who are activists who are being targeted. Right. So the Satanic Temple is, uh, I believe itself is a 501c3 nonprofit church status entity. I always thought the membership fee was a troll. Um, If you're dumb enough to send us 20 bucks and we send you a card that you can carry in your wallet saying that you're a card-carrying Satanist. No, it's a a revenue-generating thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, They're kind of two entities. Uh, They've been founded initially as an LLC. And then it got their, they kind of changed their name and made the official designation of uh, the Satanic Temple. And that is a 501c3 nonprofit, right? And uh, they are recognized as, I guess, a, a non theistic uh, church organization, right? So with that status, they're able to keep their finances absolutely secret. They don't have to disclose anything. Uh, incidentally, if someone ascends the Wicked Stairs or whatever and uh, gets higher up in the organization, that's when NDAs start coming up. Mm. And uh, that's kind of a funny thing for an organization that you know talks a whole lot about freedom of speech to do is to make their people sign NDAs. It's also a little funny that they're not being transparent at all about the finances that they receive from members, how it's spent, and everything else. I think that we can surmise that a lot of that goes to legal fees because they they primarily exist as a litigious organization. So you know that they have an attorney that's working pro bono for them, right? Like, that's what they say. Look, we'll get all into all of those specifics in a moment. Um, are we doing a... Are we doing a TST takedown show? Yeah, I'm doing a hit piece here. Oh. Um, so... On its face, uh, the Satanic Temple shows their activism or whatever it is that you'd like to call it through lawsuits. Um, And I'll admit right off that some of these lawsuits are attempting to set important precedents or uphold civil liberties. But others are trivial ordeals that are more about publicity. Uh, This is what initially stuck in my craw about these guys is that they are PETA for atheists. Mm -hmm. Um, I was also kind of pissed off about them trying to ride on the Texas Religion Freedom Restoration Act. Uh, because that is designed to acknowledge the indigenous population's rights to freedom of religion. Yeah, you did get your hackles up. Yeah, and the whole mentality of, okay, we'll play by your rules and see how you like it, is some petty, juvenile, pointless shit to be bringing to the table right now. I mean, how else do you keep America secular, though, except through the legal system? Oh, fucking whatever. Look, I don't I don't think that uh, civil lawsuits are ever going to really fucking get you anywhere. You need to be taking on institutions 
Hey, some great things have been accomplished in the name of pettiness, uh, like how they use tax evasion sure. to bring down Al Capone. Uh, wasn't there like, uh, yeah, there's one of the seven wonders of the world uh, is, is a true example of historic pettiness. I forget which one right now. Um, um, but what I'm saying is, where's the courage of conviction to stand on your beliefs and actions and actually challenge the system instead of some childish diversions? Mm-hmm. They're, they're not really accomplishing much. They're doing all these lawsuits. A lot of them fail. A lot of them are kind of meant to fail. So, in fact, uh, one of the lesser-known lawsuits lobbed by TST is a slap suit against some former chapter heads. Do you know what a slap suit is? No. It stands for a strategic lawsuit against public participation. The idea about it is that you essentially file defamation against somebody. You don't plan to win, but you're making this person spend time and money defending themselves. When it loses, you just do it again, and you do it again and you do it again. So it's been thrown out already, this one slap suit against their former chapter heads, but you can just keep on filing it. If you have the money and representation and other people don't, you can throw failed lawsuits at them until they give up. Uh, John Oliver did a whole piece on slap suits. There's actually several states that are enacting laws against slap suits hmm. because it is a type of legal harassment, right? So what's this suit about uh, with their former chapter heads there? Uh, my understanding is Former members had raised concern about some stuff on record from the TST founder and head, Lucian Greaves. His name is Douglas Masico, which is actually kind of cool. All your friends could call you Sicko, but no, he's got to be Lucian Greaves. Wait, Lucian Greaves. Let's see him a fucking vampire voice. Uh, so Greaves was on a podcast back in 2003, very earliest days of podcasting. Uh, it wasn't the kind of show that, you know, just does an hour or two and it has the same title and everything. This was about a 24 hour thing where all these gathered conversations and long, long conversations about something were released as like one piece. And it's like 24 hours almost right now on the show, they were discussing a pamphlet called might is right for some quick context on that. This show uh, is hosted by Shane Bugby and his wife. Uh, they are avowed anti-Semites. And the pamphlet, Might is Right, uh, is an anti-Semitic proto-fascist work that was illustrated by Lucian Greaves. Mm-hmm. So just to drive it home, we, we have to talk about some of the statements that they made uh, specifically. Because this is what was brought up by the former chapter heads that said, Hey, we have some real concerns about your representation, your true motives, and some of your alliances with some of these other people. When you say former chapter heads... Uh, it's because they have been kicked out of the, the temple. Oh, they didn't step down. They were I, kicked out. I don't know. Irreconcilable differences. Irreconcilable differences. I don't know if uh, if they broke or if they were kicked out. Um, it is likely that they were probably kicked out. They were trying to bring this up and were probably not letting it rest. And it was probably like, okay, well, you're no longer, you guys are not in the organization anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, um, this is a group that I've, I found, uh, on Facebook, <laughs> I know, but it's a, I believe it's a evergreen memes for queer satanic, uh, something queer Satan, <laughs> some stuff. It's, it's a particular, uh, satanic group that is also all about, um, gay liberation and, uh, you know, civil rights for some, some of the other minorities that apparently they've had some disagreements with the satanic temple. And so they've, they've broken ways in the past, right? They brought up all this stuff. They're the ones getting sued, uh, over and over with these defamation suits. <clears throat> but, uh, 
in this podcast uh, that they did back in 2003. Lucian. Lucian. He spends a fair amount of time... Uh, the devil's advocate. Mm, little on the nose. Thanks, CBS. <laughs> Lucian spends a fair amount of time uh, promoting eugenics. Definitely avoiding saying that race would be a factor, instead falling back on IQ as the true barometer for deciding whether or not somebody gets to breed. Uh, he was big into eugenics back then. Um, he talked about it a lot and even had a canned phrase about throwing the baby out with the bathwater when it came to defeating Nazis. Essentially saying that, you know, the Third Reich and Nazi Germany, oh yeah, they, they had some bad ideas and everything else. But I mean, they had some, good, some ideas. good ideas. Eugenics. Uh-huh. He even had a website for a while that was called dysgenics.com where he was promoting his idea of social Darwinism, uh, his, his take on it all. Right. And, um, and on this podcast too, there's a couple of times where he's, you know, using slurs saying that he would never want to have a kid, uh, that is on the spectrum. He didn't say it quite so nicely. We used to throw around the R word a whole lot back then, I guess, oh, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he's actually done a lot of Nazi apology shit over the years, too. Uh, he's been running in those circles for a long time. He certainly did uh, back then. And there's nothing to say that he's not still doing it. He's likely still friends with Shane Bugby, the host of that show, uh, who at one point on it said this. Jew blood, one drop of Jew blood means you ain't breaking bread with me, motherfucker. Lucian sits with this dude and rolls with it for hours and hours having these conversations. And not long after that... Uh, Lucian adds this to the conversation. Polygamy. Well, maybe... I'm an Aryan king. And I know you might be saying, Oh, hey, Joe, you're putting all the soundbots in my ear without no context. <laughs> and that's fair. I mean, maybe uh, maybe that's, that's right. So I'll include a link in the show notes when this goes up on the pod where you can go and look at everything that I looked at. And this, uh, this piece has tons of links for all of the relevant sources and backup material, you can satisfy all of your internet sleuthing needs. How, I mean, are we, do we want to platform these fucking people? I'm platforming the people who are airing the complaints. Okay, good. No, yeah, and that that has all the relevant material. For, so if you think that it's hearsay that I'm saying that Lucian Greaves said this, uh-huh. or that these other people had anything to do with it, there, I'm going to give you the website where I got all this information from, and you can kind of check all that out and all of their sources, too. We have the receipts that this man is a piece of shit. There are receipts. Um, also included on that uh, on that website is the audio in question, which is where, which is where I'm going to get some of the sound bites to use. Uh, there is also... Lucian's response to the complaints because this happened some time ago and so you know he put out a uh, formal apology essentially uh, he acknowledges his involvement with and proximity to these anti-semitic fascists he comes forward to say he's sorry mention his unfortunate upbringing and uh, you know do all the damage control stuff so I can't help but think about how we even mentioned earlier uh, how evangelists do the same thing uh, they get caught and they cry about it and then they get back to it in the same way before in, in some way or another, you know, they're, they're back to it before long. So on the note of those lawsuits and uh, the what they're collecting the money for and everything, these these legal fees. Uh, so he had picked this lawyer, Mark Rendaza. And we had I had mentioned this a couple weeks ago, too, when I was just starting to kind of catch wind of it. Uh, Mark Rendaza has represented several pieces of shit like Alex Jones, uh, Andrew Angler from the Daily Stormer, and Mike Cernovich. Uh, he seeks those people out to represent them. It's not like they go to him just because he's the guy. 
like he goes to them to represent him. Uh, and it's claimed that he's working pro bono for the Zatanic Temple. Now, I don't have proof that that's not true, but I will say that their books are locked up tight. Nobody gets to see where the money goes. And this lawyer lets people use pseudonyms on all the paperwork, even the stuff that's federal. So there's actually no way to tell whether or not he's receiving any money from them. Hmm. Um, there's, there's more details and anecdotes and all kinds of horrible things when it comes down to this story. Uh, and information that I don't want to go on forever about. But I will say, uh, another point is that when it comes to direct support and direct action, uh, they did give a directive in 2020 to all of their chapters that nobody is to use the Satanic Temple to promote Black Lives Matter. They did not want to be affiliated with or aligned with Black Lives Matter when this movement was happening uh, last year. Hmm. There was a chapter in Boston that broke ranks and, you know, said something along the lines of the pursuit of justice is, you know, ongoing and evolving. And in order to do that, yes, we have to address white supremacy. And um, I don't really know how that's planned out. You know, um, again, like I say, there are NDAs that are in play once you're high up in the organization. So you can be sued for speaking out. You can be pressured for all kinds of things, whether it's uh, whether it's just somebody that is in a position of power that you have a complaint about or whether it's the uh, official guidelines and, and recommendations of the satanic temple what all of this looks like is like some kind of like snickering fucking high school racist that likes to say the joke and then snicker and be like oh freedom of speech i get to say funny things uh he he kind of cultivated his message a little bit more he started saying that he was representing people's right to religion and beliefs and freedom from state persecution and religious persecution. And he's just turned it into a capital venture. Uh, there's absolutely no transparency to any of it. He throws lawsuits at anybody that fucking criticizes him. He puts NDAs on anybody that is close enough to him to know the truth. Uh, and he is basically the one he is judge jury and executioner when it comes to the satanic temple he is not accountable to anybody and uh yeah he's, he doesn't have to fucking prove anything huh. and uh yeah it's it's pretty ridiculous to me because he had made the claim that the reason they're using this shitbag attorney mark randaza is because that's the only guy that'll work pro bono for him again not proven that he's not getting paid for it but also why would you align yourself with that kind of shit why would you be giving work to that? He's been uh, offering jobs and stuff to this guy, uh, even Shane Bugby, when it came to the uh, media rollout of Satanic Temple just a couple years back. Sorry, in the interest of being literally devil's advocate, I'm trying to look at some of their breakthrough, you know, uh, let's see, the pink mass uh, over the grave of the mother of Fred Phelps. See, now this is trolling. Uh, and this was trolling. this was interesting. Yeah. But again, there's no there's no fucking change that comes about with that. You know what I mean? And honestly, when it comes to them not being aligned with uh, with BLM, I would almost say that might be that might be at the request of Black Lives Matter being like, oh, no, thanks. That, that was my we thought. Don't, we don't need you <laughs> and your help. It's not great optics uh, necessarily. No. Especially when they're fucking fascists. <laughs> I mean, in the fight against theocracy... Uh, if. Excuse me, if. The they're fascists. The Satanic Temple has increasingly, over the years, been been lauded as, uh, you know, pr progressive uh, uh, activists that are fighting theocracy. I did not 
know this about Lucian Greaves um, and mm-hmm. his connections to white supremacy. And I'm surprised that that hasn't um, that, that become more widely known. That it hasn't broken through uh, all the NDAs and stuff. Look, on the, like I said, the, the link that I'm putting into the show notes where I read this, they talk about the podcast that he was on. They talk about various other things. And they also go over uh, a blog that was made by a person who is in the satanic temple who acknowledges all of this saying, you know, well, why am I still in the satanic temple knowing all of this? And basically he's just like siding with Lucian saying like, well, I think that he was being sarcastic here. And I think he was, you know, that was the time that we kind of talked like that and blah, 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 uh-huh. blah, blah. Yeah. Maybe- I remember back in 2003 when I called myself an Aryan princess. Yeah. Right. Those are crazy times. That was totally acceptable back then. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> look, man, I, I can kind of understand some forgiveness and everything like that. Uh, and I understand there the, can be no I, redemption for I, somebody I who doesn't acknowledge. I understand the idea of freedom of speech, but way back a year ago when we started the show, one of the things that we talked about that I took a big interest in was uh, the idea of the paradox of tolerance. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a true paradox. It's just a funny thing that if you, if, and when you decide to tolerate anything and everything in the name of fairness, you're essentially handing yourselves over to people who would be your oppressors because they are intolerant. Mm -hmm. Those people will not see eye to eye with you and say, okay, we'll tolerate things too. Mm -hmm. If you tolerate them and you give them an inch, they will take a mile is essentially how that pans out, which is why I am taking the stance that I am on this. Uh, If you are going to sit across the table from somebody and that's spouting this anti-Semitic shit, and you're going to sit there and talk about eugenics, but try to like kind of like be a little bit more vague about it. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. There's no apologies you're going to give me that's going to make me trust you again and say, yeah, you need to be in charge of community groups. Right. <laughs> like, no, you're fucking done. Uh, no, there is no forgiveness here. Hot take on today's show. Satanists bad. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean. Oh, by the way, you guys can't see Joe. Maybe I'll throw him up on the gram. He's sitting across from me wearing a T-shirt with a uh, satanic symbol on it. This is a, a Zealand Ardor shirt, so uh, it is the sigil of Lucifer, but it also has a Z on it. Yeah, yeah, it's a good shirt. Here. Oh, maybe I should play some Zealand Ardor. Snap a pic and throw it up on the gram. Toss it on the gram. Just thinking of stuff we're throwing on the gram. Okay, um, hold on. Let's get back on track. The thing, the thing that really pisses me off about it is that it's more than just hypocritical, right? It's exploitative. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people who have been, I, shit, I myself a year ago would talk about the Satanic Temple and be like, oh yeah, they're fucking great, man. They're, they're funny. They're doing, 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 God, doing the Lord's work. Doing good stuff, you know? And I know people that have their membership cards, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and to see those... Otherwise, intelligent people uh, who are totally well-meaning and everything else, to see that they have bought into something unknowingly uh, that has this not only kind of like questionable history, but actually very dark, murky inner workings, That's that pisses me off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to shame anybody that's out there that has supported the temple that did buy their membership card and everything else. I, I am pissed off and I'm pissed off on your behalf. Those like understand that, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm pissed off about people being exploited because why people are attracted to the satanic temple is because they do want 
freedom from religious persecution. Mm-hmm. They do want <laughs> freedom of speech and, and, and freedom and fucking liberty and all of those good things, right? Mm-hmm. And to, to think that you're just fucking giving your money to another con man that's a fucking anti-Semite or whatever. Yeah. I don't know that stuff about Lucian Greaves, but I've we've got a lot of tangential shit that is hard to explain that he himself has acknowledged and shed as many fucking crocodile tears as you want to over it. I, no. But he, ha- <laughs> wait, you're saying he has acknowledged He has acknowledged, it, he's acknowledged that he's been on this podcast. He has said these things. Yes, he illustrated this fucking, for this proto-fascist fucking pamphlet. Um, yeah, he's, he's acknowledged a lot of those connections. So this is not something where it's just people on the outside being like, oh, that's weird you're on this podcast or, oh, I saw a picture of you you and this guy and y'all look mm-hmm. like good friends. Like he's acknowledged all of that shit mm-hmm. and just said, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you well, know, well, I mean, yeah. when you call the Satanic Temple the sort of the PETA of atheists, there was a lot of toxicity that came out of the atheist community, um, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. Uh, you know, what what starts off as as intelligent, reasonable people, maybe with a chip on their shoulder, uh, maybe rightly so, like for, for reasons. Right. Um, you know, from that emerges Gamergate and a lot of other toxic shit, a lot of intolerance, yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah, the 21st century has definitely been rife with a lot of to- toxic shit that has been under the surface and it's all like been coming out mm-hmm. over the last what, 15 years. 20 years we are not intolerant atheists or i guess we're in- i mean we're intolerant of bigotry um yeah you know we are uh i don't think that we are intolerant but we are also i fucking hate that word <laughs> i mean it's weird to say like no i, I think i am kind i of tolerate intolerant. you <laughs> <laughs> thanks i mean that's what i say to the dog <laughs> And say it to her in a little baby voice. I tolerate you. Oh, please never do that again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and um, so you, uh, listener, and um, whether you know me or not, totally like fucking email me and and bring all your internet fury if that's what you feel like you need to do right now. If you're feeling personally attacked on this one, uh, or you know, it, hey, if you've had some kind of experience with it too, even just as like a member and like, or things that you've heard about, you know, uh, yeah, always looking forward to hearing from, uh, listeners when they exist. Uh, we're trying show at gmail.com and then, uh, get on our Instagram radio Greg TX. Dear goddess, gives me patience, tired of trying to explain. I've got zero tolerance when they fuck with my sacred space. Bar the trolls, hit the corners for escape. Build the platforms, take up space. Code the scripts to infiltrate. Cause you're never not fighting a racist system that keeps powers in place. And that fails to acknowledge the root of your pain. Took it too personal, over emotional. Where are you from? Are you beauty or brains? Over the top, I'm too little or too much. Damned if I do and I'm damned if I do not. Talking class race and dissection to sections. My feelings are valid and I won't dismiss them I was taught not to trust my own mind and decisions My body is my body, I won't give them an apology Indoctrinated habits, like smile, nod your head Uh huh. I'll talk less, close my legs, what? That's exactly what I just said, are you serious? If I lose my shit right now Will I just be dismissed right now? 
If I lose my shit right now, will I just be dismissed right now? Will I just be dismissed? Hey, welcome to the sad fam club, baby. You are enough. Hey, 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 hey. Welcome to the sad fam club, baby. You are enough. Hey, 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 hey. Toxic masculinity is killing all the poetry. Hold my brothers back from free, flowing with the sea. Our tears like the holy ink to sink a patriarchy, popping eagles like balloons. Cause we don't exist for you. Burn your eyes with tiger bombs. Don't try to tell her to be calm. Colonial repercussions. Any questions? CC the boss. Um, she's the boss. Expert of self, they pray to moon. She raps and spells. I'm attuned to what you're numb to. Check my mood ring. Did I ask you? No. I prefer my make-believe to their bullshit. I work within it, but at the end of shift, I build spectrums on the internet. I art attack cause I'm an empath. Foundations, Philippinex, no limits on how I choose to express. With my pixels and my queerness, you can't hold me back. If I lose my shit right now, will I just be dismissed right now? If I lose my shit right now, will I just be dismissed right now? Will I just be dismissed? Welcome to the sad fam club, baby. You are enough. Hey! This is Joe with a real quick station break for you. I just want to say thanks for listening to the show and thanks for listening to KBSR. Uh, you know how things go here. KBSR is fully independent, listener supported. Uh, we got a Patreon community that helps us keep everything going and you can go be a part of it. You can search for Black Sparrow Radio on Patreon, I think it is. Here's the easy thing I know to do. Go to blacksparrowmusicparlor.com and there are links on there to go straight to our Patreon. There's You can stream the radio 24-7 straight from that page. And it's got the schedule of all the different shows and news and updates on what's going on. Uh, yeah, that's kind of your one-stop shop, blacksparrowmusicparlor.com. Uh, yeah, I just want to say thanks to everybody. Trevor and the Mental State Fair. Thanks to Alex Cuervo. Thanks to Shannon, KBSR. And all of you listening uh, home and abroad. Uh, well, let's go ahead and get back into the show. I guess we've left ourselves a little bit of time to talk about some dystopic future fiction. Yay. And, um, uh, let's just go off your notes. What do we got for 
What do we got for literature? Literature? Cool. Yeah, uh, I just wrote out a couple that are kind of like my picks. Um, and there's a couple that would maybe get honorable mentions, but I'm just, I don't know enough to talk about, you know what I mean? But um, I want to do these in no particular order, but I am going to start with what is probably going to be my favorite, uh, Oryx and Crake. Yeah. Yeah. Margaret Atwood mm-hmm. um, also wrote The Handmaid's Tale, most famously. If you're a listener of this show, you've definitely heard us talk about this book uh, and this author several times, I'm sure. Um, so uh, perhaps some spoilers, but nothing too serious. I need to reread that. It's been yeah. too long, and it's such a pleasure to mm-hmm. read. Yeah. It's very sad. Right. Depressing at times. Funny oh, at yeah. times. Oh, yeah. It's it's dark it's it can be very funny at times uh but it's dark and it's also it's such a good world that's painted uh she does a really good job at kind of filling out the world and helping you kind of imagine it because it's not too far from what we would imagine do we have a time period um we know that it's i think 21st century i think like mid 21st century so not quite now but down the road just a little bit um yeah uh Essentially, in this in this future world, uh, viruses, diseases, and uh, scarcity of resources are are really kind of bringing the world to uh, a dangerous place to be. And um, essentially, powers that be just double down on uh, capitalism. And so, one of the biggest things that's kind of keeping humanity alive is uh, the pharmacological and uh, genetic modification aspects of science, right? Um, because there are there are famines, uh, there are things like diseases that are going through and killing huge crops of livestock and everything. So they have to get into genetic modification to kind of ensure that living things can keep on living and fight off all of these uh, diseases and viruses and everything. So uh, you'll have these big compounds where it's uh, a, a pharma company and uh, they make a city. And uh, they bring all of their scientists to work there and their scientists bring their families and they live there and all of it's walled off and kept away from the rest of the world, which is known as the Pleblins. The Pleblins. Yeah. And uh, in some of those areas, you'll have, you know, metropolitan areas because this is modeled off real shit. It's happening in America. And um, have you heard about those Amazon uh, housing projects that are going up? Uh, no. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> no, wait. I think I did. Yeah. Something about, oh, man. Yeah, goddamn. Well, that's something we can talk about in a future episode. We'll, yeah. see, we'll see how that plays out. We'll dig in. Well, Bezos, look out. We're coming for you. Uh, <laughs> that's going to matter. Um, He's shaking in his boots. Yeah. But so, yeah, you now start having the, the separation of uh, people geographically all done by uh, not even class, but occupation, which kind of one of the same, you know what I mean? Um, kind of kind of like uh, Hunger Games. Yeah, a little bit. And, um, yeah, and, uh, well, what ends up happening is uh, uh, this this guy known as Craig, uh, he ends up engineering a, a grand cataclysm that basically kills off all the humans. Uh, and here's the... Not unlike 12 monkeys. Yeah, and, and, well, all but a few. Obviously, some people are able to escape this. There's a lot of humans out there, right? Mm-hmm. But... um. Should, should we talk about how he does it, or do we not want to get into spoiler territory? I want to say here's a little bit of the spoiler because, uh, yeah, just skip ahead like 30 seconds or whatever if you don't want to hear this. But the real quick one is he genetically modifies a, a hybrid race of humans who can withstand a vast poison that he has made and distributed to people 
which is kind of like a sleeper poison, which can be activated at, at some point. It is something that uh, people are voluntarily taking. It's mm-hmm. a drug that has been marketed as a sort of panacea. Mm-hmm. It'll yeah. make you happy. It'll make you calm. Um, It'll cure your syphilis. Help you lose weight. Uh, make your dick bigger. Mm-hmm. All the things you want. Everything you want. It's it basically will... bulletproof coffee. And, oh, and it in the... I think phase one is that it also sterilizes people. Yes. Which people volunteer for because uh-huh. it's like, well, I mean, I don't really want to have a kid right now, not yeah. in today's economy. It might, even, it might even be marketed as being reversible. I believe it is. Yeah. And so... So but, it's so it's, a, uh, it's birth control. Yeah. Um, but he executes this grand master plan and uh, yeah, Cole's pretty much the entire human species and lives behind uh, the, the sub... I don't want to say subspecies. Uh, what, what would you say? Uh, this hybrid species of human, right. uh, which has been modified with certain other animals in the wild to give them good night vision and to give them like all these different kind of characteristics that they might otherwise evolve and adapt to and have the ability to live in nature more and not have the need to seek and start making shelter and start making property and start making these things again. Like when God decided, uh, you know what? I fucked up. (laughs) Let's go ahead and get rid of these people Uh and try this again. And hopefully we'll do better this time. Yeah. Um, That that is what he's engineered. uh, A new group of people that won't fuck up this time. Yeah. Um, And it's beautiful for what kind of, uh, for what Margaret Atwood envisions for how a lot of these hybrids go to with... uh, some of the different flora and fauna that they end up making. And it's horrifying too. The fucking chicken nubbin plant. Oh God. God damn. That that's grotesque to even think yes, about. Yes, but if I think if you're able to grow meat in a lab Yeah. I that mean, has a central nervous system but not a brain. Mm-hmm. Um in a way that's a lot more humane than what we are currently doing. Yeah, it's just it's I would, I would and eat Bergian, dude. It's, 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 oh, <laughs> it's fucking wild to think about. Um yeah, and the uh, the pigoons, probably your favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and those are pigs that uh, that have been spliced with uh, baboon uh, cerebral, uh, you know, power or whatever. They've been spliced with baboons for the purpose of organ transplant, I believe. Yeah, some shit like so that. So they're <clears throat> um, with this genetic modification, these pigs uh, make good um, suppliers of of heart. Lungs, kidneys, whatever, whatever a human might need when those organs start to fail on them. You live up. Yeah. Um, but they are also, uh, they become very intelligent because of this. And if you know anything about pigs, once they're left in the world after this is, uh, collapse of society, they become feral. They do well for themselves. They are very dangerous. And now they're mad smart too, you know? So, yeah, I um, mean, t- every other day I see 30 to 50, uh, <laughs> These fucking feral hogs. And they're out there teaching each other science in the backyard. (laughs) (laughs) One of them's got a blackboard. Yeah. Yeah. It's not pretty. Yeah. Well, yeah, just to say, that's also the beginning of a trilogy known as uh, the Mad Adam trilogy. Uh, There is Oryx and Crake, Year of the Flood, and Mad Adam. Um, But Oryx and Crake is even beautiful as a standalone book. And it is about... It's about the event. It's about the lead-up to the world we are living in and... uh, yeah, the actual event that would change the world. And then it starts looking at what the world looks like now. But it's a very specific view, obviously. Um, but it's a, it's great. 
you can it's for me you can hardly do better than that yeah thank you for that book report um b plus (laughs) a minus come on Um, i just don't like the minus plus one's better (laughs) i'd rather have a b plus (laughs) (laughs) um i guess i'm gonna come with some neil stevenson the godfather of uh cyberpunk yeah yeah um, he's written a few books, uh, most notably, I think, Cryptonomicon, uh, which is a great read. Mm-hmm. Um, it occurs simultaneously sort of in the past, present, and future, multi-generational thing. And I can understand your reluctance to take it on because it's a tome. Right. It's a big old book. Um, I want to read it. I just uh, have not felt the amount of dedication it would take. There's a lot of wonky stuff in there, too, that if that's not your... Um, I guess if you're not like kind of obsessed with cryptography or whatever... Uh, World War II um, lore. Um, geez, I don't know. It's been a while since I read it, but that's not really the book I wanted to talk about. Um, he, uh, a really fun read is Snow Crash. Oh, right, right. I think uh, I might have read that. It's a much shorter read. Um, it, I think, at least the first half of it holds up. I think it starts to kind of, um, starts to go south a little bit towards the end. I'm not really even sure how they resolve it. Um, but our protagonist, um, I'm going to go ahead and say, is a man named Hero Protagonist. <laughs> he is a badass pizza delivery boy um, who works for the mafia who run the pizza business. Um, and he uh, he has to go into the sort of outer zone, you know, that's, that's lawless and a dangerous place in order to deliver these pizzas. If he doesn't deliver them on time... He will be killed right. by the mafia. <laughs> um, but yeah, with Snow Crash, it 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 really gets into um the nature of a of a virus and what a virus is. And right. there's an idea here that language itself is a virus, and um, c- kind of goes back to I, I believe it was Noam Chomsky that that and I. I don't know everything that he said about linguistics, but I think he was of the mind that the brain is shaped by language and kind of kind of takes that and runs with it, that there there is a language and, you know, I I believe they call it Babel, um, that that acts as a virus when sort of uploaded into your brain changes the structure of your neurochemistry. Wild. Um, But yeah, that's an interesting read. Another one I really liked was Snow Crash. Another one I really liked was... um, Diamond Age, and that takes place more more in the farther future okay. than Snow Crash does, and follows essentially three young women and their experiences with um, the young ladies' educational primers. Okay, it's been a long time since I read this book, but sure. it's, essentially, it's an interactive educational system. Um, so it's interesting to see this girl who is coming up in poverty has by accident or theft uh, come into possession of this book that shapes her mind and helps her to cope with her circumstances and rise up out of poverty. We have a middle class and, of course, an uber wealthy girl who also have access to this book. It's interesting to follow these women on their journey. Uh, But that's kind of an interesting um, vision of the future as well. Obviously, Hmm. the um, gap between the, the rich and the poor has grown astronomically wide. That's a pretty common theme. You'll find it a lot. I even, I not to interrupt, but I mm-hmm. thought about a, what was that Ernest Klein book, that Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that was like the backdrop for it. And that quickly became kind of unimportant because they got into the other storylines. Yeah. It just kind of, it assumed that as the baseline for the future. You know what I mean? I like the premise of Ready Player One. I like that we have somebody who lives in, you know, what they call the stacks, which mm-hmm. is this uh, housing project that is essentially just a bunch of trailers unsafely stacked on top of each other. Right. And people live in squalor and misery, but if you have access to this technology that takes you to the, I don't know what they call it in the book. The interweb. Uh, I don't know what it's called. Takes you to the alternate reality that that everyone uh, shares uh, because it is free and publicly available. Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, yeah, the world can just sort of crumble around you while you are existing in this imaginary <laughs> space. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a grim idea. It's a great idea. The book fails to resolve it properly, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it gets into other areas where it was really going for. It just kind of took that as the backdrop for it. So, yeah. Uh, but the whole book, a essentially, quick mention for that one. it does exist as an excuse to make nostalgic 80s references. Yeah, that's the big point. And uh, as a central conceit, I think it's well executed. If you're looking to write a book and the whole reason you want to write it is so that you can write vast lists of nostalgic 80s sure. shit. Yeah. This book has concocted a premise that allows that to happen. Yeah. I think that's the that's the best thing you can say about it. I, yeah. I definitely enjoyed reading it. Did not see the Spielberg movie. Nah. But yeah, Austin author, that guy, Ernest Klein. Shout out. Um, well, I want to... Um, I got just a couple more I think that we've still got time for. Uh, I wanted to bring up, because, you know, everybody, when it comes to literature, we want to talk about, uh, of course, you know, like Aldous Huxley. Uh, uh-huh. And people want to talk about Brave, Brave New, New World. World. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to talk about his book, Ape in Essence. Okay. Um, this is one that I absolutely love. And the, the premise of it is basically uh, nuclear annihilation done happen. Uh-huh. And uh, basically the only part of the world that didn't get wiped off the map and have all of their uh, technology and everything kind of set back to the Stone Age was, uh, I want to say, New Zealand or Australia. Oh, love it. And so it's been some time since all of that has happened. And there is an expedition team from there that is setting out to see basically what remains because they've not been able to get anything on the radio or anything. You know, this was obviously written in the middle of the 20th century. It's before the Internet. So... Um, they're basically like, oh, we haven't received a radio signal, <laughs> you know, but, uh, they, they set out and they end up, I do believe, uh, arriving on the West coast of America over there in California. And the civilization that they find is essentially a bunch of people living behind in the rubble who have interpreted, uh, you know, these decades and decades, I don't even know how long later they've interpreted the nuclear annihilation of man as, God's work for getting back at Satan. And so now they, they kind of viewed that God has left the world behind and, you know, everybody's everybody done been raptured or whatever. And so this is the hellscape uh, that is Satan's domain. Hmm. And so their society is modeled after this kind of like, you know, all, all hell the flaming father. That sounds so interesting. I'd love to read it. It is. and it's, Is it on the shelf? Uh, I believe I have a copy up yes. there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's been a few years since I read it. And so obviously they do have a, a brutalistic, uh, society, which, uh, does not have justice or anything else. Um, they've been thrown do back. Do as thou wilt. Yeah. Uh, all of law. so the thing is, is to understand though, is that when you, I guess 
what I don't know that this is what Huxley was going for, but what I gather from it is that when you get set back and you get taken back to the drawing board, really be careful about just sticking to your guns on religion. <laughs> maybe, maybe we could try doing this without religion needing to be a factor in how we uh, make our, our social mores and how we interpret ourselves as a society and as a culture. And that's a big theme of Oryx and Crake, too, because yeah. uh, Crake blames religion uh, as kind of the seed he, of where everything goes wrong. He essentially creates these people and then has, uh, uh, well, Crake does that. And then Oryx is the one who gives them uh, some education, but is, yeah, can't really give them any ideas about, um, yeah, religion. And so he they, they leave all that point. out. That they seem to sort of spontaneously begin to develop religion, uh, they start, leaving the ending as sort of a question mark. Yeah, they start doing uh, iconography, and essentially they made, um, I want to use the word effigy, because they, they made a copy of our uh, protagonist, uh, Jimmy Sandman, uh, yeah, to like kind of bless because he was gone, and the Krakers wanted to... Honor. protect him and so they made a likeness of him and as soon as jimmy came back and saw it he's like ah shit <laughs> there <laughs> Here we go again yeah. yeah basically um well let me ask you something yeah. do you think that religion is inevitable do you think it's just a fundamental part of human nature to create god you know i almost do gods? because i think that there is something about uh the amount of brain power that we have now gives us a whole lot of time to ponder things and to maybe you know those distinctly human things where we ponder ourselves pondering things that kind of thing yeah we're, we're, we're navel gazers as a species right and i think that's where a lot of it comes from is the inability to explain things and always just kind of like looking ever more inward for whatever your explanation or justification is going to be uh i tend to want to think that if there is some kind of uh grand uh design or force uh, that exists within the universe i'm an atheist also but if this kind of thing does exist um i would think that ultimately evolution could lead us to a point where we could be more perceptive of it and receptive to actually acknowledging it and i don't think that's the case but i feel like that's what the brain is trying to do <laughs> you know what i mean our brains are one of the features of our brains is that we generate order out of chaos. Right. And sometimes that serves us well, sometimes not so much. Uh, if you've, um, you know, checked, if anyone's checked out this, uh, the uh, internet uh, yeah. lately, <laughs> you might notice... Um, Don't know why you would. A but... lot of leaps of logic occurring. Yeah. Uh, well, to trot right along, because we are running low, I still want to bring up uh, Who Fears Death by Nnedi Okorafor. I'm, I'm glad you did, because okay. I was going to... Well, go, if you want to open it up, talk about it. Well, I was just going to say, I believe that there is either a film or a Netflix series in the works. I, um, yeah, I, I think it's in the other that. room. Um, so everybody, read Who Fears Death now, so mm -hmm. that you can be caught up on this uh, uh, dramatization when it happens. Yeah, and this is one where it's kind of got that... Um, Scarcity is the biggest thing and essentially kind of like uh, the desertification of the world yeah. uh, Kind of a la Mad Max or Tank Girl uh, What happens and so now you have the breakdown of uh, you know states and everything goes just full tribalist and uh, Technology and society kind of break down and this just roving packs of people who are either trying to just defend themselves or trying to prey on other people um, and, and it is... gets into some magical realism, yeah. which is really good, too uh, 
But yeah, go on. Yeah, our, our protagonist does seem to be living in, in the ruins of a society that was once very technologically advanced. Yeah. Um, and there are those remnants there. And that's always a really fun concept uh, when you want to do that. Um, you know, and I think I had said to Joe, like, um, I wonder what it would have felt like for the Mayans uh, living in the remnants of a once great civilization, you know, generations later. Right. After, um, after the, the Mayan Empire has fallen, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, which I, I believe was due to um, a, f- a food scarcity issue. Um, uh, but but now you just have generations later, people just sort of living in the jungle, um, eking, eking out a culture and society for themselves, but uh, living at the feet of um, th- these great temples and this great, you know, the, the pyramids and this what once was... Um, an advanced uh, civilization. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I, you know, I wonder what that would what that would feel like. And I guess that's something we'll uh, our our grandchildren will get to experience one day. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I will also just say on that note, uh, you should totally read the book. But uh, I'll warn you now that there there are some graphic parts in it, uh, and there are some depictions of sexual assault and rape uh, that are rough to yeah. take. Um, yeah, so just as, as long as that's something that you can deal with, uh, then, yeah, you should totally read this book. Um, it is a very visceral book, like, in general. And uh, these the, the protagonist is fleshed out pretty well, but still manages to be uh, not blank, just still, like, a little bit mysterious and kind of unknowable. A little bit of a cipher for the reader. Right. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's a really great book, uh, Who Fears Death. And this is written by um, a female African author, mm-hmm. and um, I believe it won a Hugo Award. I think so. Yeah. 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 Uh, so did one of one of the th- <laughs> one of those authors that pissed off the fucking the the <laughs> sci fi bro community. Yeah. Right. Um, well, uh, I believe another Hugo Award winner uh, that I want to fit into this category is the, uh, I guess the the Parable series by Octavia Butler. Octavia Butler, queen yeah. of uh, Specfic, love her. Yeah, uh, so Parable of the Sower and Parable of the Talents, uh, two books about, uh, I think it starts up with the sower, and uh, that one talks about uh, our protagonist is, is young and living in the kind of like sliding towards collapse uh, civilization in Southern California and lives in a community that is like kind of walled off and everything, and... Uh, basically the military is breaking down. There are struggles for power and everything just finally hits the, hits the fucking fan one day. And there, there, there is no more nation state or anything Mm -hmm. anymore. Now, again, we see the same thing where it's just kind of like tribalistic bands of people. Um, yeah. And it's another one that has, uh, I guess, magical realism in it with some of the things that are happening, but it's not really magical. It's supposed to be explained through other like technological things, uh, there's essentially medications that people were taking for various reasons. And uh, these medications started causing side effects within younger generations. Um, and so our protagonist is an empath, but on a very serious level where, you know, if she sees somebody get stabbed, like that physical sensation takes over her body. And yeah, so there, there's you know, some things like that, which are interesting. I, I don't know if anyone's read this. Uh, I'm sure some of you have. I started this book. Um, the parable of the sower. I started it before uh, all of the protests over the summer, the Black Lives Matter activism, 
and continued reading it after with a kind of a different perspective yeah. on they're like living in a, a society of laws, but the laws exist to prey upon you. Um, it it right. was, I, I had a much more, I, I guess I had a, a better understanding of how fucking realistic that is. Uh, right. the, the beginning of that book. Yeah. Yeah. At, it's, after <sighs> it's another dark one. And that's why it's, I think it's important to read both of those because I think it kind of, the first one ends, uh, in such a way as to not really want to walk away from it that way. And, and then you get to end up kind of like seeing, seeing this character go on and kind of create more and, and what the world is like kind of becomes after that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, really read Annie Octavia Butler. Uh, what, what was the Sutherland where, um, it actually got ripped off or so like a year or so ago. Ripped off. Yeah. The book where, um, the woman gets transported back to like antebellum. Oh South. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it did for that that movie Antebellum, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Which I I didn't see because people were Kindred saying it was you know like torture porn essentially, but yeah. oh, it was Kindred. Kindred is the book, yeah. Oh, Kindred, by, uh, yeah. Kindred by is the book. I, I'm pretty sure that's fucking amazing. So it's it's another really really great book, and oh, it doesn't yeah. doesn't fit into this category, but it's uh, yeah. yeah, not not quite. Uh, I mean, you could put it in a fantasy category because yeah. it's. The, the sort of magic that's at play is, is never fully explained. It mm-hmm. exists as a device. Right. Uh, like a thought experiment. <clears throat> Do you have anything else? Because I have one more honorable mention and then we can wrap it. No, go for it. Uh, so I do want to give one little mention. Uh, like I said, there's stuff that I haven't quite read and don't know about, uh, but I wanted to throw it out there. Uh, there's a guy, Gene Wolfe, who did some kind of huge, you know, fantasy work back in the 80s and stuff. I have uh, his books Shadow and Claw or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like four books altogether. But um, those are kind of famous, right? Yeah, uh, and they're more they're understood as fantasy books. And what's not really said explicitly, but you gather, is that this is actually our planet at the end of our solar system's life, hmm. and that you know everything that you see in the book, this is what's happened whenever all the humans have left to go seed the stars and some people stayed behind and they're the last of the humans in our solar system because the sun is dying. Wow. Yeah. And so, but the book takes more of like, it's a fantasy uh, book than it is a sci-fi book. Uh, but it's really interesting. To, are there dragons? No, but there are, there are wild creatures and stuff and there's uh, types of like illusory magic and interesting things. Huh. Uh, and also, apparently, he did another book called uh, The People of the Long Sun or some such. And this one's a little bit more sci-fi. It's about uh, a long-term expedition about, you know, a, a spacecraft that is going to different uh, star systems, but they're like hundreds of light years away. And so civilizations, like generations, come and go on this thing, and they end up kind of like forgetting who they are, where they are. They don't know that they're in a spaceship hurtling through space. Mm-hmm. They, they know that they're in this enclosed system, this, this closed system. Huh. And, uh, it has, you know, a, a simulated like day night pattern and everything. And that's, I think why they call it like the long sun is they end up worshiping the sun, which is just another part of the spaceship's programming. This it's, sounds very familiar to me. I've definitely yeah, either read I think or saw some, there's been several books that have been about this idea in one form or another about that long-term space travel, you know, uh, Heinlein has done some, mm-hmm. um, and, and sort of discovering the truth mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. you know, the, the 
reality exists beyond the, yeah. the, these metal walls. Yeah, that was that was the basis for uh, the Truman Show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Truman Show is probably going to come up in a subsequent episode um, because it spawned its own category of schizophrenia. Yeah. The Truman Syndrome. Yeah, um, yeah. That you know. That could be a whole show right there. Yeah, or we could do a show about modern, uh, more modern mental illnesses, re- recent additions to the DSM. I think that that's something that we're starting to work on. So, yeah, yeah uh, y'all get at us if you got anything to say about that stuff or anything to say about what we said here. We're trying show at gmail.com. Did we talk about your favorite book? Probably not because we only talked about five books. We didn't talk about all of our favorite books. We no, talked we about some books. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we are going to go ahead and wrap up the show. I want to say thanks to Shannon and KBSR for giving us the network. Uh, thanks to Trevor and the Mental State Fair for giving us the theme song, Dying in Texas. And Alex of the Spectrostatic for a lot of the stuff that you're going to hear there and here and there. Thanks to the Patreon supporters. Y'all go check out our Patreon. It's, it's, uh, it's lit. Stay tuned for the JoJo Bone Show. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I guess that's it. Uh, cheese bags. <laughs> Thank you. Fresh bags. <laughs> thank you. Cheese bags. Thank you. Thank you for staying fresh. <laughs> so-